Today, we talk with special guest speaker Leslie Bonsi to discuss the impact of nutrition on mental and physical health among athletes. She's currently a nutrition consultant for the Kansas City Chiefs NFL team, the Carnegie Mellon University Athletics Department, and the Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. She was a sports dietitian for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Washington Nationals, Pittsburgh Pirates, Toronto Blue Jays, Pittsburgh Penguins, and the WNBA. Leslie has appeared on The Today Show and Dr. Oz and has written numerous articles for US News and WorldReport.com. Leslie is well qualified to speak about this topic, giving her background in nutrition and her work with so many athletes. Thank you for being here, Leslie. Brandon, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here and uh, talk with everybody and give you some practical advice on how to optimize your plate so that your performance is great. Absolutely. You have several titles after your name, including MPH, RDN, CSSD, LDN. Besides being a registered dietitian, what do the other titles refer to? Sure. So RDN is for Registered Dietitian Nutritionist. MPH is for Master's in Public Health. Uh, my graduate degree is in Nutrition Epidemiology. So really the study of nutrition on a large scale and how it impacts our public health. CSSD is for Board Certified Specialist in Sports Dietetics. And LDN is for Licensed Dietitian Nutritionist. Wow. How did you get those? Is it like through your school or like graduate school? Well, uh, my undergraduate degree was in biopsychology, so I did not become a dietitian until I went through graduate school. So after I graduated from Vassar College as an undergrad, went to graduate school at the University of Pittsburgh in, in public health and decided that nutrition was what I really wanted to do. So I took the graduate courses to fulfill those requirements and the undergrad courses I needed in order to be able to do my internship as a registered dietitian. I worked in the field for probably about 10 years and then the CSSD certification or that credentialing became available and I decided that was very very important because we want to make sure that when coaches and schools are hiring sports dietitians that they actually have people with the right credentials so that required some additional certification and licensure is something that 48 out of 50 states have and that really the goal of that is to protect the public so if you're going to work with somebody who is a nutrition professional professional, you're working with somebody who actually has the right credentials. Cool. What do you think your unique skills are that have helped you become a successful nutritionist? Um, I am a people person. I have a sense of humor. I have patience, although I work on that. I have tremendous amount of perseverance. I hate the word no. And so usually I'll knock on that door several times until I get a yes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, creativity, flexibility, versatility are things that I think are, are extremely important. And certainly that work ethic, being willing to work hard, being willing to be available. And one of the things about working in professional sports, it is not nine to five in any way, shape or form. And I would say right now being, uh, having that ability, ability to work virtually, because that's certainly the way that my practice is working. I am not in Kansas City. I am working with them from my home in Pittsburgh this year. Cool. Tell us about your time working for super competitive athletic sports teams like the Kansas City Chiefs. 
Uh, well, I worked first of all, I worked with the Steelers for 24 years, and it was actually a little bit more convenient because <laughs> they're in the city where I live. But uh, the opportunity presented itself to work with the Chiefs, and uh, it has been tremendous. And and not just because last year was so incredibly exciting. It this is a staff that truly appreciates what the sports dietitian brings to the table in terms of the health and well-being and performance of the athletes as well as the staff and we all do work together as a team working very closely with the chef and the food service personnel working very closely with the coaches with our athletic trainers with medical staff with the strength coaches so we can really help to create that winning plate for our players that we can address what needs to be done after injury and that we can address whatever individual goals players as well well as staff as well as employees might have and certainly it doesn't hurt when the team you work with goes all the way and wins that Super Bowl and uh, right now it's pretty exciting too as, as we stand 14 and 1 we'll have to see what happens uh, through the rest of the season and into the playoffs. What do you do specifically do you make meal plans like how do you help the um, athletes? Yeah, well, one of the things about working with professional athletes is they are not obligated to meet with me. It's their choice if they want to do so. It is the obligation of each team to have a sports dietitian on staff. So a lot of my time is spent more with uh, our coaches, with doing uh, working out strategies with our medical staff, uh, with our strength coaches, and with what happens with food service. However, a lot of the players will reach out to me. You know, sometimes it's about a particular issue pertaining to energy or maybe somebody had blood work done and some of their values were out of whack or somebody who has constant injuries and we're really trying to get down to what it is that might be causal factors and oftentimes nutrition has a role to play and then there certainly are players who are interested in the physique modification so how do they eat in a way to increase muscle mass or decrease body fat or sometimes both Cool. What advice can you give towards younger athletes when you work with these professional athletes? And I think everybody always is trying to do the best for their body. So I don't know of any athlete in any sport at any age who ever says, I want to be the slowest. I want to be the weakest and I want to fatigue before I start, right? We're never, ever hearing that. It's always, I want to improve. I want to be fast. I want to be strong. I want to have energy throughout. And we know that that hand-to-mouth activity is as critically important as the sport that one plays and the strength work that one does. So I always talk about performance eating more than just nutrition. And performance eating means that you are eating enough time throughout the day with the food that are going to do the best for your body and the amount that your body needs. And then I also talk about this concept of parenthesizing. So pre and post workout or games or practice, do you eat and drink something before? Do you eat and drink something when you're done? Because as athletes, no matter what age we are, our bodies are either in a state of prepare, or in other words, getting ready for the exercise we're going to do, or repair recover from what it is we just did so we can do it again. And that becomes especially important when we look at preseason. And granted, this year was a very, very different year. But moving forward is oftentimes my younger athletes work a lot harder in preseason where they might have more than one practice a day than what would ever happen over the course of a school year. You don't have time for more than one practice a day because you're taking classes. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, broadly speaking, you talk about treating our bodies right. Can you give us some examples or stuff that isn't really addressed regarding that? Yeah, so when we talk about treating the body right, is part of that is, are we hydrating optimally? Are we getting enough liquid in each and every day? That's a very, very important part of taking care of health. When it comes to eating, thinking about a performance plate is what takes up the most room on the plate. Is there protein on the plate in some way, shape, or form? I have, excuse me, a couple of Kansas City Chiefs that are vegans. So the protein that they have is derived from plant instead of from an animal, but it needs to be on their plate. Is there produce on the plate? What is the fruit and vegetable component of the plate? Are there carbs on the plate? Is it rice? Is it pasta? Is it tortilla? Is it a potato? Is it bread? There's lots of options, but we need to have that there. Is there some fat on the plate as nuts or avocado or oil or salad dressing or mayonnaise? All of those things. It's not one of those. It's all of those. When we talk about treating the body right, are we having downtime? Do we get enough sleep? because that helps the body to restore. When we talk about treating the body right, are we not shortchanging? So if I have a high school athlete that says, hey, Leslie, I want to decrease body fat, so I'll cut out all the carbs. No, because then you end up losing water and sometimes lean muscle and not necessarily losing fat. Or if somebody says, I'm trying to put on some mass, I'll just eat as much as I can and then you have an upset stomach. That's not treating your body right. So treating your body right is what happens every day over the course of a week, over the course of a month, and over the course of a season. Perfect. Thank you. Um, you said a couple of Kansas City Chiefs players are vegan. What are your thoughts on for younger athletes going vegan? Do you advise it or recommend it? Uh, I think everybody needs to eat enough plants and certainly not everybody does or even some vegans that don't necessarily eat enough plants. I mean, that's something we could all do a better job with. If I have a younger athlete that wants to be vegan, they can, but it does take some work. And one of the biggest challenges is that when we look at a body that is still growing and still laying down bone and muscle mass, we certainly want to make sure that protein needs are met. And one of the things we need to be aware of is that although somebody can get the protein they need from plants, the quantities are oftentimes different. So in a three ounce or smartphone size amount of beef, or chicken or fish, we're getting about 20 grams of protein. If somebody said, well, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to eat beans. You'd have to eat one and a half cups of beans. That's not impossible, but that's not four chickpeas on a salad. That's a lot of beans. So if somebody says, I'm not going to include foods with a face, then we want to make sure that the alternatives are providing enough. Another area where that becomes sometimes concerning is many of the plant-based beverages that are on the marketplace. Yes, we can buy almond milk, we can buy pea milk, we can buy oat milk. Almond milk has minimal amount of protein in it, so you'd have to drink a lot more of that to get the same amount of protein as you might in a glass of dairy milk. Absolutely. How does psychology and nutrition connect, and how have you implemented those two fields together? Uh, eating is not just a hand-to-mouth activity. We think about food before we eat it. Sometimes we think about food while we're eating it. And when we're done, we're thinking about the next meal. So our brains are engaged in the process. I work with a lot of people that have eating issues, such as eating disordered or disordered eating behaviors, and trying to get their brain in a healthy place where they don't feel judgmental or guilty or bad 
bad or anxious or nervous about the food that they eat is vitally important. When I have athletes that I work with that are really trying to do their best to bring their body fat down, a lot of that is what happens mentally is, you know, there really isn't any such thing as willpower, but is somebody setting the stage to optimize success by the way they talk to themselves? Are we being supportive or are we being our own worst enemy? That's very much a, a component of psychology. And the other thing I will say is I have athletes that I work with that have underlying medical issues. I have some athletes that are type 1 diabetic. They take insulin. Uh, I have athletes that I work with that have Crohn's disease, and so they need to psychologically be in that state of mind to be able to manage their body physically so that everything is working the same way to help to optimize performance. And then the other part of this is what happens when an athlete gets injured? Yeah, it's a hard thing. You know, right now, uh, in the Steelers, Bud Dupree out for the season. You know, you can't will an ACL to get better quickly. It takes time. But as part of that process, we talk about eating for healing. So sometimes it's the way that we frame things that gets somebody in that state of mind where they're actually feeling empowered and encouraged and enabled to make those changes that they need to. How has COVID impacted nutrition as far as food choices and maybe in athletes or even yourself? Um, well, first of all, with athletes, one of our biggest pushes over this past season has been safety across the board and this idea of enclosed, not exposed. So gone are training tables as buffets. They're simply not there because it's too many hands in the same salad bar. Can't do it. So everything right now is prepackaged and that creates uh, some challenges in terms of making sure that players are having enough and the variety is there let alone, unfortunately, the, the waste that gets generated, but we've got to keep people safe. Um, it, it also has impacted a lot of the social aspects of what's happened with our players. In the NFL, they can't be in a bubble per se because there's just too many players. But we try, they're in a contained environment each and every day, but then what happens when they go home? So we do a lot of messaging about don't eat out. Be very, very careful about what you do. Uh, our food service staff prepares extra food that the players can bring back to their hotel so they don't have to go out. So we're doing all of those things basically to safeguard the health of the athletes as well as the coaches and the staff. From my perspective, uh, one of the things that I have done less of is not going to the grocery store as often. We we don't do uh, a lot of big shopping. We don't like it. I mean, I'd rather go a couple times a week to get what it is I want, but I don't do that right now because I'm trying to minimize the exposure, my my own exposure or, you know, exposure to anybody else. I just don't really want that to happen. Uh, and we've also been relying a little bit more on shelf-stable items so that we don't necessarily have to be going quite as often. So using more things from the freezer, using more canned beans, canned tomatoes, those types of things, which create wonderful meals at a, a very reasonable price point and also let us stay safe at home instead of being out. Cool. I'm sure you've seen the movie Super Size Me Fast Food Nation. Do you think they actually, actually portray the problems of the fast food diet in America or are they making a bigger deal than it is? 
Um, I think that, you know, when we look to sensationalize anything, we like to point the fingers and do the bullying and all that stuff because it makes for good viewing. But you know, we really need to take that apart and put that into perspective for how often is somebody doing something and what else are they doing? Food is not the only thing that causes diseases. Does somebody sleep enough? Are they smoking? Are they sitting on their behind every single day? You know, that those, so it's not just the food um, being the villain, so to speak. You know, would I want somebody to subsist solely on a diet of burger and fries? No, because then you're not necessarily getting the produce that you need. But on the other hand, fast food can be very, very affordable. And there is certainly a way of incorporating some fast food items into what somebody does every day as, as being a reasonable way to get the protein that you need without having to pay an arm and a leg. The other thing is, that some people simply don't like to cook, don't know how to cook, or are just culinary challenged, right? That happened with a lot of people, absolutely clueless about what to do in the kitchen. And so imagine if somebody says, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy groceries, and now I brought it home and I made something and I ruined it because I didn't know, and I throw it away. Well, that's money down the drain. And that's not really very helpful either. I mean, I yes, I love for people to spend time in the kitchen, but that doesn't mean we have to start from scratch. We could start with something and then make it better. You know, we could even do that in the grocery store. There's a lot of meal kits right now or buying a rotisserie chicken and adding to that rather than having to do everything from scratch. You can nourish yourself just as well without any food waste and you know, give your body everything it needs at a, at a reasonable price point. Absolutely. I'm going to shift my questions to processed foods now. So besides saving time and money, do you think there are any benefits to eating processed foods like positive emotions maybe? Um, well, first of all, when we talk about processed foods, it's not just the food, it's also the way something is prepared. So when you freeze something, it's processed. When you bake it, you're processing it. When you boil it, you process it. That's just the way that it is. So a lot of times people think, oh, it's processed food just because it's in a box. Well, no, not necessarily. So you know, when you cut something, you're processing it. And that even if you cut an apple, there's some process that goes on to do it that way. So one of the things about processed foods that a lot of people think of, it provides comfort. Oh, like mac and cheese. Yeah, that's a comfortable food. Is it the the most nutritionally complete? It's not. But I could take a mac and cheese. I did this for a video a couple of months ago. I could take a box mac and cheese. I could add a little bit of evaporated skim milk because that's shelf stable. I could add a can of peas to it to add some vegetables. And I actually pureed some white beans and put that in there to make it creamier and more protein. So I used a processed food and then I added other things to it to up the nutritional value of it. So most of us are not eating just solely out of a box every day or solely out of a jar, but we could use some of those foods because they're safe, because they're affordable, because they take less work and we can add other things with it and that can also create some balance. Is it realistic for kids that are super busy to go to the groceries and then meal prep themselves given the busy lifestyle they have? I, you know, there, there's lots of different ways to meal prep that in some cases can take under 15 minutes and in other cases could take a couple of hours depending upon what we're doing. I will say that right now, some of the things that make um, eating a lot more convenient, things like Instapots, air fryers, you know, because they, you cook things in a fraction of the time, even a microwave. So if we said, okay, I want to do my own Chipotle type bowl. 
if we wanted to do that. We could buy a ready rice that's 90 seconds in the microwave. We could buy a salad in a bag so we don't have to chop it. That takes two seconds to take it out of the bag and put it into the bowl. We could use uh, a canned tuna. So all we have to do is open it or even like a packaged chicken breast. All we have to do is open the package, put it on. We could dump some black beans and salsa. Now I could make that meal in under five minutes and that looks pretty similar to what I would get from Chipotle without having to take a lot of time. I gave you the example of a rotisserie chicken. We could buy a chicken in the grocery store. It's already cooked. It's ready to go. We could take a piece of that chicken and maybe have it with a baked potato and frozen green beans, or we could take that chicken and we could shred it and we could put it into a tortilla with some salsa. And that's a real fast preparation. So we, it doesn't have to take a lot of time to nourish our bodies well. The other thing, and right now during the pandemic, a lot more people have been relying on frozen meals. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that because most frozen meals, they're going to have protein in them. They're going to have some vegetables in them. They're going to have some kind of carb. So it's one-stop shopping. All you have to do is put it in the microwave and there's your food. Perfect. What is a solution to decrease people in general eating so many of these bad foods? Like so many solutions have been attempted, but how come they have not affected change? Um, well, when we think about bad foods, I would maybe change that wording and say uh, maybe indulgent food, things that people tend to gravitate to, you know, innately people love the taste of sweet. So if you gave somebody the choice of a cookie or a kale, probably they're not going to pick kale. They're not going to do that. They're going to go for the cookie. It's easy and it tastes good and it feels like it's rewarding. So, you know, how do we start to make some changes to that? Well, we kind of think about the overall day and maybe a swap out or maybe it's, okay, you know, I really feel like I can't get through my day without having a cookie or two. Fine. But maybe I'm going to do that and I might not have the chips on the same day. So, you know, we do a little bit of this negotiation with ourselves is a way of helping to make things better. Or it's like, okay, well, I don't really eat a lot of vegetables, but I like salsa. So maybe I'd be willing to have some tortilla chips with some salsa, or maybe I'd have some tortilla chips and some baby carrots. Well, now I've added some vegetables to the mix. So it's not never again eat a tortilla chip. It's how could we make that food better? Or, wow, I really like French fries, but, uh, Oh, I heard maybe they're not so healthy for me. Can we buy frozen French fries and bake them? Absolutely, we can. So it's the same idea. It's a familiar food, but now we've healthed it up a bit. I see. What do you think can motivate younger athletes to eat better? Maybe it was something that you heard or a motto that really just changed your mindset on nutrition? Uh, I, I always like to talk about this as performance eating rather than just nutrition per se, because nutrition really sounds awfully boring. Or eating healthy, people say, ew, that's everything I don't like to eat. But hey, I'm eating in a way that I can be fast and I can be strong and I can have energy. That oftentimes is the buy-in and that increases the likelihood that we might want to try it. So, you know, that idea of a training table is not just what happens in the NCAA and really that isn't happening anymore because of COVID, but how can I create that type of a table at home on my own plate to help my body be? 
the best that I can be rather than judge foods as good or bad. And part of that is also the consistency with which we eat. We, are we doing three meals a day? Are we having maybe a snack before practice? All those types of things are habits that when we get into those habits, oftentimes we reap that result in terms of how it is that we feel. Or, you know, oftentimes my athletes in high school, they may have a lot of energy for preseason and then like three weeks into the season, oh my God, I'm so tired. Well, okay, if we're not consistent with what we do, then that's going to be the outcome. So really thinking about this as a season at a time, not a day at a time. What can I do over the course of a season to help me to optimize my performance? What are some other small things or maybe even big things that a person can make to inc incorporate a better performance eating into their life? Um, I think one of the things that a lot of athletes don't do the best that they can is to hydrate. And, you know, sometimes we might think about that for games as, oh, I'm going to hydrate. But what happens for each and every practice? So we've got to have in enough liquid. And one of the ways of doing that is you start the day with a big glass of water right after you brush your teeth, before the day even starts. You end your day with a big glass of water before you go to bed. So right there, you've kind of done the bookending of the day. You make sure that every meal, you have some fluid. And for a lot of kids that are doing after school sports, even though they may look a little different this year, is thinking about, and in many in many schools, the next to the last period, uh, a lot of teachers now are allowing there to be water bottles in the classroom so you can actually drink that liquid and it leaves your stomach so it's not sitting there ready to shoot out of your body when you get on the field. Those things can be really helpful. Another thing that I think um, athletes don't do as well is being consistent. So, oh, we had a pregame meal or you know, we had the pasta dinner before Friday night football. Well, what about the rest of the week? It's not just what happens on game days or event days. What's happening every single day? What are we doing every single day to optimize our performance? I really love the idea of having something before bed, of making that a snack that gives back to the body, that helps the body to restore overnight. So for instance, something like a small smoothie made with milk, yogurt, fruit, or something like a yogurt parfait, or even a, a couple slices of cheese with some crackers and an apple, or a bowl of cereal with milk milk. Those types of things before bed really give the body that chance to re recover and restore overnight. And it shortens the time from when we've had dinner to when we'll eat again the next morning. So we do a better job of muscle protein synthesis while we sleep. I thought eating at night isn't good because of digestion or is it good? Well, you know, typically what we don't like people to do is have something enormous before bed. And simply because your gut has to digest that food. So now your gut's going to be awake when you're trying to sleep. My rule of thumb is in general is I like people to curtail their eating about 90 minutes before bed. So if you're going to go to bed at 11, that means by 930 you're done. But let's say you had dinner at 6. You may be hungry again before it is that you go to bed. So having that little bit of snack at night can actually function in a positive way. So it really is volume driven. We're looking for something more snack sized and not meal sized if somebody opts to have something before bed. Perfect. I'm going to shift back to you. So would you mind talking about your books and maybe what you wrote in them and any tips you have? Um, sure. So I, I, I have um, 
authored two and co-authored four. So uh, one of the books that I authored is called Sport Nutrition for Coaches. And it is really geared towards high school coaches, maybe some D3 collegiate coaches, not necessarily to the professional coaches. And, and it really has throughout it an athlete's to-do list. So, you know, we can't eat for each other. Our coaches can't eat for us. This is a decision we make. And I really like to put that on the shoulders of the athletes to say, are you bringing the best nourished athlete to your practice every day? You know, that's something that I think can be very, very encouraging. The idea of being prepared. So you know, we think about all the equipment that we all have for the sport that we do. It might be as simple as running shoes and running tights, or it might be more complicated like helmets, pads, skates, etc. And food and fluid, however, is our internal equipment. So what's in your bag? More than just your uniform, what else is there? Do you have something to eat and drink? And can you make sure that you are having something before every practice and trying to shorten that time after practice? So you were having a little bit of food within 30 to 45 minutes of finishing to start the recovery practice. Those things I think are critically important. Um, the other books that I've written are kind of on a theme, uh, run your butt off, walk your butt off, and bike your butt off, uh, with, written with, with other people is, you know, so there are exercise plans in there, but my goal uh, and my job was to provide the eating plan. So do you eat in a way that helps to complement what you're trying to accomplish physically? Are you eating in a way to support your running or your walking or your biking? And, you know, that it's not either or. It's both of those things together. If people are trying to be the best that they can be, we've got to pay as much attention to that hand-to-mouth activity as we do to whatever our exercise or our sport is that we do. Perfect. Last question. If a young athlete only makes one change in their nutrition, what should it be? What do you want them to take away from this podcast? Mm. Um, be consistent. So no matter what it is that your goals are, is think about this seven days a week. For instance, when we practice, is our practice might be two hours out of the day. It's not 21 hours out of the day, it's two. But eating, you might have to do that four to five times a day. So you're at least doing double or triple the amount of times of eating a day that you do physical activity. So as much attention as we pay to making sure we go to practice on time and doing everything that our coach tells us to do, etc., same amount of attention paid to what it is that we eat. Make it a priority to create that winning plate. Sure. Do you have anything else you want to share? Um, you know, the, the other, the, yes. One more thing I will say is that there's no such thing as perfect eating. And sometimes I work with athletes that get it into their head that, oh, I have to do this every day and, you know, I can't eat badly or, oh, I made a mistake and now everything's going to suffer. That's not true. Is, you know, ideally we want to do it more often than we don't, but sometimes it's, holidays and we want to have some goodies okay sometimes we may stay up later and not get as much sleep because you know what sometimes that happens that doesn't derail everything that we're trying for there's always tomorrow there's always that chance to start again and make it a habit and do what you can do as consistently as you can make that happen sure thank you for being on here leslie and i think it was great and we love we love your enthusiasm and your tips so thank you Thank you so much for having me. All right.